Well, I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of gluttony. For me, I've got a couple of short videos that explain what comes to my mind. So just have a quick look at the screen and see what you think. Has everyone seen it? But do you know what? Half of my family, as in my wife and my mother-in-law, had no idea what that was. Uh, uh, the uh, uncultured. Um, so, uh, if you don't know what that is, that's Monty Python, Mr. Creosote. I uh, highly recommend watching the full, um, the full scene. It's, uh, there's a little bit of crass language, but it's very funny. Um, I don't know what comes to mind for you, but for me, that's it. Like this huge, massive dude who uh, comes in, uh, he orders the whole... He's already vomiting before he starts eating. He orders the whole menu. Uh, he eats the whole menu, and then he has to have a wafer thin uh, mint, um, which then makes him blow up and uh, explode everywhere. Showed it to my four-year-old. Turns out it was probably a little bit too graphic. <laughs> so what is gluttony? If we're going to be thinking of the capital sin, gluttony, the question is, what is it? We hear the warning against it, uh, don't we? Like in Proverbs 23, we heard, uh, Listen, my son, and be wise. Set your heart on the right path. Do not join with those who drink too much wine, who gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. It seems to be uh, a... Uh, command not to be a, a drunkard or a glutton uh, because that's going to have bad results for you. And of course, a few verses earlier, which we didn't read in uh, verse 2 of, of chapter 23 of Proverbs, uh, the warning is a little more stark. In 23 verse 2, put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Uh, so we're told by the, 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 the wisdom of Proverbs that we should stay away from it. But we're still not really helped uh, in trying to think about what it actually is. We, we tend to think of it as, uh, you know, people who struggle with gluttony are fat people who need to go on a diet. Uh, and, of course, you know, we think, well, good thing Chris has lost some weight already this year. Uh, he, he has some leg to stand on when he preaches about gluttony. But of course, it's not actually about that. It's about our hearts. It's about disordered love, as all of these sins have been. And instead of uh, looking for the sin and defining it as someone else's outward behaviours and the fruit of those, which is what we tend to do, instead, I want us to, uh, to, to be encouraged today to use this as a diagnostic test on our own heart. And gluttony is actually, we see, about pleasure. It's about the reduction of life to self-gratification. It's about the excessive, it's about making all of life about excessive, immediate and tangible pleasure. Aquinas says, gluttony primarily and intrinsically signifies the intemperate desire to consume not the intemperate consumption of the thing. It's the desire to consume rather than the consumption that is the problem. And C.S. Lewis, in the Screwtape Letters, talks about the problem of gluttony. And he says, 
uh, as he, as he uh, kind of describes the interaction of the devil in tempting people into this sin. That the problem with gluttony is not too much food, but atten- too much attention to food. Gluttony is using food in a way that dulls us from the spiritual and distracts us from God, or anything we consume for that matter. Now, of course, the things that we do consume, most notably food, are, are good things. Eating is, is designed by God to be pleasurable. We have these things in our mouth called taste buds, and uh, they're designed by God so that we can enjoy the food that we eat. It's not like God made us and made the, the, the food of the earth for us to just sort of tolerate as we sought to survive and thrive by uh, meeting our daily needs that God has created us to have. He gives the people in the garden uh, all the food that they could want and it's good and wonderful. So there's nothing wrong with, with eating, there's nothing wrong with enjoying food, there's nothing wrong with even feasting or celebrating and in fact we see that that's what Jesus did, he went to parties, uh, he, he ate lots of food, he made lots of food in a bunch of miracles, right? And Jesus uh, was so connected to feasting and celebrating that uh, some accused him of uh, being a glutton. Matthew eleven nineteen, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It's not eating, or even eating a lot, that's a problem. Rather, the sin of gluttony describes when the pleasures, the good, become out of control and become our masters. Paul encourages the Philippian Christians to live their lives for Jesus instead of being mastered by the desires of this world. He says instead to be uh, mastered by Christ. And as he encourages them to live like this, he, he says, don't be uh, like the people of this world, don't be like the people who are focused on, on sin, on the wrong thing. He says of them, Philippians 3.19, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And I think that's a, a great little uh, descriptor of the problem of gluttony. Gluttony is a problem because it makes uh, our consumption of things, primarily food, about our self-pleasure and that becomes the only consideration which matters. And so as we start to understand that the gluttony is about a disordered heart around self-gratification through the consumption primarily of food, we can see that it may not be that dieting is, 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 is the solution at all, dieting might even be part of the problem. As, as it continues the obsession with, with how we feel in ourself and food, if that's what it does. And the question when it comes to our consumption, I don't think is how much is too much and should I have less, but rather what's going on in my heart. Instead of saying, how much food should I consume in order to not be a glutton, 
which might be the natural place we might want to go. Instead, we ought to ask ourselves, how dominated by the desire for pleasure as I eat am I? How difficult would I find it if I gave up this favourite food of mine? How hard would I find it to go without? Gluttony becomes a problem, not when too much food is eaten primarily, but when food becomes about uh, uh, being a pleasure fix, being a a thing that uh, consumes us uh, and that we rejoice in, rather than something we enjoy because it is a, a good gift from God. So if we know what uh, gluttony is, that, that disordered love for the things we consume, especially food, well then what does a heart infected by gluttony look like? And I think as we try and diagnose our hearts, it's helpful to think about uh, what, how and why we consume the things we consume, especially the food we consume. What, how and why? We want to uh, consider whether our hearts are infected by gluttony. Let me first encourage us to think about what it is we are actually consuming and eating. Because the glutton has a preoccupation with their own satisfaction. Their primary concern is for their own experience of eating and drinking and for that to be pleasurable and that is where their considerations about what they eat and drink end. And let me say to you at this point, coffee snobs, beware. I've got this theory, right, that potentially the Christian church is filled with a bunch of gluttons when it comes to coffee. And we've made it the great acceptable sin. There's nothing wrong, right, with great coffee. There's nothing wrong with enjoying Uh, something that is, you know, a single origin, um, unwashed, uh, uh, you know, Arabica bean from the high mountains in uh, Ecuador. Delicious. There's nothing wrong with going to the World Coffee Championship and enjoying the best coffee ever in the world. But there is something wrong with the pursuit of of perfect coffee at the expense of all other considerations, right? So the refusal to share a drink with a friend or a brother or sister in Christ because the bean is not quite right, you see, then then we've got a problem. Years ago, I was staying with some family and they had a coffee machine and they knew I was kind of into coffee. Uh, And so they decided they'd make me coffee on their coffee machine that they were very proud of every morning and it was terrible like it just did not taste very good at all and yet uh, every day they joyfully made me a coffee and uh, had great satisfaction from me drinking it not because I was pulling faces and they were enjoying torturing me but because I was enjoying the the company of their fellowship their hospitality I drank it it wasn't, and like, let's be honest, it, it, it wasn't like drinking 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's right, instant. I had a different thing in my head that wasn't appropriate to say in church, but um, yeah, let's go with instant. Um, it, it was fine. And what mattered in that moment was not the, the quality of the bean, but what the, what the food or what the drink was doing for the, the relationships and the company. It wasn't all about me. It was about uh, what was going on around me. We tend to think that when we think about what we eat, it's about eating the right quantity of stuff and the right quality of stuff, but actually it's about uh, how we relate in community as we eat the things we eat. The glutton, uh, says one scholar, may use good manners and eat moderate amounts, but the desire behind their experience is the drive to secure a certain pleasure for themselves, regardless of how others are put out or put off by their demands. So that's the what. If we're trying to diagnose our hearts for gluttony, then we also need to think about how we eat, how we consume. The glutton is preoccupied with the pleasure of fullness. Eating not just because the food tastes good, but also because we desire the satisfaction of feeling full. And we want it at the expense of all else. So the glutton, the gluttonous heart might decide to eat the food hastily, greedily, excessively. And this can look like an inability to resist food, stuffing your face as fast as you can, uh, finding yourself uh, overcome by the pleasure of the, the moment and the food rather than, than the need for sustenance or enjoyment of those whom you're with. I think of myself uh, as a youth pastor and the desire to quickly make sure I got my four pieces before the kids took it all. struggling to wait while others eat first. These are, these are potentially signs of a gluttonous heart. As de Young says, how undignified to find the image bearers God made as the crown of creation, able to compose symphonies and invent spacecraft and enjoy spiritual fellowship with God himself, sitting hunched over a plate of food with mouths stuffed, shoving more in as if we can never get enough. The how, the what, the how and the why. Why do is, is it that we consume? Because we can eat for the wrong reasons. We can eat to satisfy our own wants in a way that elevates our own satisfaction above all other things. The, 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 the difficult thing about hunger is that it never goes away, right? It might go away for a moment, but it comes back. I can tell you about this because I'm kind of on a diet. It's always there. And so sometimes we become so focused on the feeling of being full that this becomes kind of like our, our God. But it never stays, it fades and we have to fill up again. We feel satisfied at the end of a meal, but, you know, one, two, three, four hours later, Away we go again. 
And it doesn't matter how much you eat or how often you eat, you will be hungry again. And of course, what can happen is that the desire to feel full in our stomachs becomes, a, becomes something that we do because we can satisfy it and it becomes a mask for the things that we really lack. You've all heard of comfort eating, right? You know, when something goes wrong, we grab a few blocks of chocolate and down, down we go. So, you know, sales of alcohol through the roof during COVID because we realised we had to hang out with our families or something. I think what we see there is how food and this desire to be full and satisfied covers over those other things. Broken relationships that take time and effort to fix, our lack of feeling loved, our lack of true friendship, our lack of belonging and meaning, things that are hard, things that don't get filled with food and yet which we use food to cover over. Another scholar says, a glutton is someone who raids the fridge as a cure for spiritual malnutrition. And of course, we know what Jesus said, didn't we? That in him we find true satisfaction. Jesus says in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There is satisfaction. There is true, lasting joy. So the glutton, the one who uh, has this over-obsessed uh, uh, focus on, on, on food, on the things that they consume, who eats in the wrong way, uh, who consumes for the wrong reasons, who is driven by the wrong motivations. What's the solution? What if you're a glutton? How do we eat and consume well? The danger, of course, is that we call out gluttony and in doing so, we label eating sin. But we shouldn't do that. 1 Timothy 4, verses 4 and 5, Paul says, Everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it, if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. It's not that food is bad, it's that our hearts, when we engage with it, uh, can get out of order. God has given us the good gift of food, we need to consume it in a right way, with thanksgiving to God. So, I wonder how often you think about why you're eating what you're eating, the manner in which you're doing it, the purposes for it. I suspect, if you like anything like me, not too often. But actually, as Christians, we can, we can eat and drink and consume well, as opposed to poorly or as opposed to sinfully. And I want us to be uh, good and godly eaters in this place. Augustine says that 
what we eat matters less than how we eat. And he gives us a few questions that are good to ponder and I want to encourage you to do so today. First of all, he asks us to consider, are we eating in a way that contributes to or at least maintains our overall health and well-being? That is, we must consider our consumption from a health perspective. Because this is how we are good stewards of the bodies God has given us. But we don't stop there. Next, we ask ourselves, are we eating in a way that shows concern for others? As Christians who are called to love God and love our neighbours as ourselves, we need to do this in the way we eat. So things like considering our food choices a little more ethically. This is a a way to, to, to fight against the gluttonous heart. And, finally, are we honouring the spiritual purpose for which we were created as we consume? That is, do we eat in a way that helps us flourish as people created for communion with God and relationship with each other? When we're being people who are beset by the sin of gluttony, all these considerations go away. We don't consider overall health. We don't consider concern for others. We don't consider our spiritual purpose. Instead, we just think about me. Self-pleasure, what's going to make me happy now? That is the only consideration for the glutton. And so as we consider those questions, let me also just give a little uh, hat tip to fasting as a way to help us diagnose our hearts uh, and and as a way to help us remember uh, the rightful place of God as our provider. Augustine suggests this as a practice for someone who wants to stop being a glutton. He encourages us to consider how hard would it be to give up something for a month and to do so without complaint. And so maybe that's something you need to do. But let me encourage you not to do it alone, but rather to do it in community, to find others to support and help you as you uh, maybe decide to give something up for a while to start the practice of fasting. If you've never done it before, we can talk about more, more about that uh, at a later date. But fasting, whether it's for a whole day or, for, or off something for a month, it helps us to let go of the pleasure we get from that thing and to consider the ways in which we may have got our hearts out of order. Fasting increases our awareness for God, uh, our awareness of God and our awareness of our need for him to sustain us and provide for us. As the psalmist said, Psalm 107 verse 9, God satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. At the end of the day, gluttony condemns us because it puts us at the centre of our lives 
and causes us to seek our own satisfaction and our own fulfillment without God. And this is why it is a capital vice, because it makes our life all about me. My life all about me, your life all about you. But we can never satisfy ourselves. I can never satisfy me. Only God, only God can provide true satisfaction, true contentment, and only God can free us to live a life focused on him and on others. And so as we consider those questions, as we consider whether we need to take a break, take a fast, to help diagnose our hearts, let me finish with this prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 63. He says, You God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, you are my God. Amen. <laughs>